0: This morning, if you have your Bible, we will be in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So I titled this message, Where's My Miracle? I was going to call it, Where's My Wine? But um, I didn't want people to get the wrong impression. <laughs> uh. So, where is my miracle? How many in here are married? Married people. There you go. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. There you go. Married. Heather and I have been, this year we'll celebrate 18 years of marriage. 18 years of marriage. Um, so, we have, we have two boys. We have Jackson and Jefferson. 14 and 4. 14 and 4. So, uh, we, are, we are very blessed. Very blessed. So if if you're in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, in our text today, we're going to see three different people who have experienced a miracle. And if you've been in church for long, or if you haven't been in church for long, you've probably heard this story where Jesus turns water into wine. Jesus turns water into wine. So this morning, three people who experienced a miracle— and we're going to kind of, we're going to examine, we're going to examine all three of them. The first one is going to be Mary. Mary had an expected faith. Then we have the servants who had obedient faith. And the bridegroom who had a receiving faith. We'll get to those in a few minutes. First, let's go ahead and jump in our scripture. John chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 12. It says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, verse 8, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said then when everyone had a lot to drink he brings out the less expensive wine but you have kept the best until now this miraculous sign at cana in galilee was the first time jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him after the wedding he went to capernaum for a few days few days with his mother his brothers and his disciples so here we have the first person the first person was mary that experienced a miracle and Mary had what we call expected faith, expected faith. Verses 1 through 5, we, we, we read that. But I want you to catch something right off the bat here. Sometimes miracles happen in unexpected places because people have faith big enough to meet their need. Okay, let me read that again. Sometimes miracles happen in unexpected places because people have the faith Big enough to meet their need. Have you ever had a a miracle happen in your life in a totally unexpected place? Never saw it coming. Yes. Yes. So here we have his mother. His mother told the servants, it says, On the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and the disciples were also invited to the celebration. What we know is John does not disclose the identity of the happy couple, okay? We know there, there's a bride and the groom, but we don't, we don't know exactly who it is there. But the presence of the mother and the invitation extended to Jesus shows that friends of the family were involved, okay? Because we have Jesus and the mother and the disciples were there. We assume that this was a religious ceremony because it was a wedding, but we have no details. But back then, marriages were usually celebrated with festivals, That lasted for days and days. and They they just had these big old festivals back then. So then we see, we pick it up in verse 3. Then we see the need for the miracle to arise. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. She lays it out right there. They have no more wine. Now I want to stop here just for a moment. We'll get back to Mary. But I want you to notice Something about Jesus. Jesus was. Hmm, how should I say this? Well, Jesus was almost comfortable with people having a good time. If you notice, if you read a lot of stories in, in the Bible, even when they were sinning, Jesus was there. And we know that gratifying the sinful desires of one heart can bring a lot of temporary joy. It, let me ask you: Isn't that what sin is? It's just it's just temporary temporary joy. You know, we think it, it just it's like in the moment. Okay. And so hanging around the world that is drunk on sin can be very uncomfortable. It can be very uncomfortable. But Jesus went to this wedding knowing what was going on. It's like he went to this wedding, he knew the surroundings, he knew the people, he knew what was going to happen, okay? And he he did not condemn, uh, but instead he he almost he shared in his joy in their joy without sinning, of course. Jesus was there, and he shared, and he was, he was all into it. But then, in turn, he got to witness to them. He witnessed to them by turning, into, turning this into a miracle. And so what does that got to do? What does this got to do with us today? It's almost like instead of us as followers of Christ. Okay, this is going to be tough. Stop frowning on, the, on those people who are out in sin and living in the world. Because we get out there, and we, it's almost like we, we turn our nose up to them. And we don't have to get there. We don't have to partake in it with them. But we don't have to turn our nose up to them. Okay? Because Jesus was right there with them. He, he shared in their joy. He didn't participate. And he, he took this event and turned it into a miracle. That's how he witnessed it to them. That's just, that's just amazing. But people often get this impression that following Jesus means this idea of, well, there's no fun or there, there's no celebration. It's, it's just boring. But just remember, Jesus, Jesus goes and has fun and he attends a celebration, but he also ends up saving it. Again, can I remind you that you and I, we're, we're in the same spot. We're in the same position as Jesus that went to this wedding. It's no coincidence that you, your child is on a certain ball team or you're on a certain shift at work or you get behind a certain person in the, in the line at the grocery store. What are you trying to say? He, he puts us in certain spots so we can witness to people. That's why he went to this wedding to witness to these people, knowing the surroundings. It's the same way with us. He puts us in these, these predicaments or he puts us in these spots so we can witness to people. Does that make sense? Okay, okay. So um, until Jesus had never performed, remember, he had never performed a miracle, but his, his mother's words to show him that she trusted him. Remember, this is his first miracle. And she immediately knows. And she says, however, Jesus responds, dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Okay, did y'all catch that? Jesus addresses her, woman, but not in a rude way. See, when we read that, he said, "Woman, that's see my tone." I, I see. I, I want to get the tone out there. I'm like, "Woman," see, I wouldn't never do never do that to Heather. <laughs> and so we we read that and we think that he's he's being rude, but um, the me. It wasn't it wasn't being rude back then. Okay, does that make sense? The meaning of my time is not yet come, it's this context of it's it's not yet time to act. Because he he specifically says, It's my not is not my time to act yet. Yet we notice in this passage through the gospel refers to the hour or the time of Jesus. It's almost like he's he's foreshadowing, he's foretelling what, what's going to happen. It's not my time yet. But what, what happens next is is key to this whole passage. If you follow along in verse 5, he says, But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. She commanded the servants to obey his instructions. Mary acts in confidence that Jesus will hear her. She has this expected faith. Remember, Mary with the expected faith. Mary asked for a miracle, and she expected she would receive it. Okay, this is going to come into play later. The second thing, miracles require the expectation of faith. Miracles require the expectation of faith. Okay, it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen. James one six and seven says, "But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver." For let me go back. Do not waver. Do not waver. So we start asking for that miracle. We start asking for that, well, I don't know. Wavering means you're 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 back and forth. And it says, do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed around. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Ouch. What's he saying there? He's saying if you're expecting something... Expect it. Think it's going to happen. Don't just waver back and forth. You know, it's going to happen. Think of it this way. Let me give you a better example. Why would you ask someone to do something if you really don't believe that they're going to do it? Why would you ask somebody to do something if you really don't think they're going to do it? Then why would you ask God for a miracle and not expect Him to give it? That's what it's saying there. Stand strong, stand firm in your in your faith. Don't waver in it. Expect it to happen. Why would you ask God for a miracle and not expect Him to happen when you ask it for Him? Expect it to happen. You might as well be saying, God, I'm asking You, but deep down, I really don't believe it's going to happen. You're like that wave in the ocean, just being tossed back and forth, tossed back and forth. Expect it to happen. Expect it to happen. When you ask for a miracle, believe it that you will receive it. Have the faith of Mary who said, do what he tells you to do. She had the faith. She said, do what he tells you to do. I expect it. I have the faith it's going to happen. Stand on his word that if you ask of anything, it shall be done. The next, let's move move along to those servants. The servants had, they had obedient faith. Say obedient faith. Okay, they had those disobedient faith. We have the part where they fill the jars. If believing for a miracle is the first step, okay, then acting on that belief is the second step, right? So we believe, and then the second thing is then we act on it. Look at what happens. Standing nearby, there were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 or 30 gallons, John now draws the attention to the presence of six large water pots made of stone. Okay, picture this in your mind. He even gets specific how much it holds. He's telling, be specific with your miracle. Be specific, be specific with it. The half dozen represented a good store of water carrying out to the kind of purification that's found in Mark 7. Stone jars were common because they were less likely to contract contract ritual uncleanliness to those who made other substances. So what would happen before the meal, the servants would have poured water over the hands uh, of the guests, and if there's a large number of guests, a good deal of water would be needed. That's why they were, so, they were so large and held so many gallons. Then Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. It's specific. The jars were spil- filled, here we go, Now dip some out. Take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Jesus tells them, who's he referring to? The servants, to fill the pots. This is what he tells them. Fill them to the brim. Fill them all the way up to the brim. Okay, I've got got, got an example for you right here. This is not... 20 or 30 gallons, it's probably just a few. But I want to give you an example of, the, of the, what the servants did. So picture it. So they, they filled it up to the brim. They kept pouring, they kept pouring and maybe they, they might have went over here and they might have poured some more. But what this what the, said, just, it said fill it all with the brim. But what happens in our life we see a miracle coming. We see something happening. What do we stop? What do we do? We stop. We stop. Oh, I see a miracle. I see him moving. I see him working in our life. I see him moving. I see him working, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to pour a little bit more. Oh, my God. I oh, I stopped. He says, no, I need you to feel it all the way up to the brim. Nothing else, okay? But so many times in our life, again, we, we, we see it coming, we, we feel it coming, and God, I, I ran out of, I've ran out of water. I've, I'm all out. He says, I've got more. I've got more. I just need you to keep pouring. But so many times we just stop. We stop pour, pouring. And the significance is he gives us specific instructions for a miracle to happen in our life. Fill it all the way up to the brim. The servants obeyed it. They they followed through with the miracle. These pots at the time, miracle, they contained nothing but water, remember? Servants filled it up with water all the way to the brim. Jesus next commanded, okay, he says again, get specific. Dip some out. Then take it to the master of the ceremonies. Okay? How many like it when people get specific with your, with your instructions? Yeah, that, that, that's me. I'm like, give me like line for line, you know, you know, it, break it all down for me. Don't just tell me to just go out there and do it. I got to be specific with me. This evidence, it means that they are to draw from the big water pots. Remember, they're filled all the way up to the brim. And this master of the ceremony person is one of the guests. He's in charge of the duty of the presiding over the guests. He's kinda like the bouncer, I guess. <laughs> He's in charge. He's in charge of, you know, and when it gets filled up and he passes out the he passes out the water and the wine, he passes it all out. The important thing is that we see that if the servants don't fill the water all the way to the brim, nothing happens. If they ever get if they would have got like us and just kinda stopped pouring, nothing happens what do you mean by that? Well, what's I got to do anything? If they do not act, nothing happens. The same thing in our life. If we don't act, nothing happens. Well, you know what? I'm just going to sit right here. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and just wait on God. I'm just going to sit right here beside my pot, and maybe I'll pour a little bit more, but I'm just going to sit right here and wait on it. God's like, no, I don't want you to, I don't need you to do that. I need you to follow the instructions very specifically that I have given you. Very specifically. Fill it up and prepare and expect a miracle to happen in your life. It's called a step of faith. A Taking a step of faith. Not your faith, not what you, not, not what you think should be done, but the specific faith to fill it up. Faith works like, let me give you an example. Faith works like this. If I'm walking, it's like, faith works. Faith works. It kind of it walks hand in hand, if that makes sense. Faith and then works. Faith and then works. You can't just faith and then, it's got, it's got to go hand in hand together. If you want America in your life, you have to reach out and grab it. Sometimes you have to step out and you have to, you have to take a risk. Let's be honest. That was a risk that those servants filled it all the way up to the brim. What if there would have been like, well, it's just going to overflow. Or what if God, what if this, what if, you know, what, what? quit the what ifs. Just fill it up and do it like I tell you to do. If you want a miracle in your life, follow the specific instructions, and he will come through with you. Sometimes you have to take a step out. Don't just sit there and just, well, I'm just going to wait for God to move. Maybe he's waiting on you to move. Maybe he's waiting. So we need to act in accordance to our faith. We need to get out. Remember the story? Get out of the boat and try to walk. He calls us out. He calls us out. No, I want to stay right here in the boat where it's safe. Well, if you want a miracle, maybe you need to step out. You need to step out of the boat. Let's look at the last person we see. The next person we see is is the bridegroom who had this receiving faith. Because it says, but you have kept the best Let's be honest, it's a beautiful thing to see when somebody, when somebody experiences a miracle, when they've been praying and fasting and seeking a miracle, when you see blind eyes open and deaf ears and people walking. It's, it's amazing to see that, see a miracle in their life. It's, just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But look what happens. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it come from, he called the bridegroom over. I can just imagine how this conversation goes. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best till last. So in the book of John, he does not say how or when or when the miracle place took place. He simply says the water turned into wine. Okay, that's me for a second. I want to know how did this miracle take place? Where did, the, where specifically did it have, how? God's like, you follow the specific instructions, and I'll perform the miracle, that's what he's saying, that's what he's saying right there, he does not even tell us how, how much water was changed into the wine, we, we don't know that, it's usually held, you know, it holds all this gallons, and and Jesus, he just, he almost, he gives the, the couple this wine as a gift we don't know how much he did turn it but they followed the specific instructions to make it happen for them well what's this got to do with the for the sign that points to the truth that what does this mean it says Christ abundantly supplies all our needs for our people I keep going back to it but he's abundantly means what's filled all the way up to the brim it's abundant it's a lot not our, our piddly little bit that we're just pouring in. He supplies all our needs. All of it. The master of the ceremony did not know the, the origin of the wine he was tasting. But he, he says he, he recognized the quality of it. He recognized the quality. He, he summoned, he called the bridegroom over who was responsible and commented on, the, on his departure from the common custom. He said this was, he said this was a miracle. People usually put out the better wine at the beginning while their, their palates are, are very sensitive. and the bridegroom, however, was, they, they kept the good wine until the end. I want you to know something too, in the, the end. This is the first of many miracles that Jesus would perform. Philip you would come on. The first one he would perform on Earth. And John says, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And what happened? His disciples believed him. Because they were there. They were witnessing it. They they saw it. What happens when a miracle happens in your life? You, you, You see it and you believe it, it's, it's real, it's, it's happening, it's the first of Jesus' miracle, he often calls us, he calls it a sign, he shows us God at work, again, the, the specifics of it, we, we want to know more about it, well, how, how did they do it, or, you know, how? How? I was, I read a bunch of, I tried to go back and look at a bunch of commentaries and I tried to read a bunch of other sources and I looked online and, I, and I'm looking everywhere because I'm asking God, like, well, how was this done? How did you do it? Where, and he stopped and he said, if you would stop worrying about it, I've got it all taken care of. He, you do the specific parts and I'll take care of everything else. His disciples saw his glory. This is the the conclusion part, he says. His disciples saw his glory, and they put their faith in him. They saw it. They witnessed it with their own two eyes. And they were like, yes, yes, I saw it. I was there. The disciples are now said to, now they said to that they have believed in him. Do you remember your first miracle? my question for you this morning. We go back to J- Jesus' first miracle. Do you remember yours? Think about it just for a moment. Do you remember it? Is it refreshed in your mind? Hebrews 11:1 says, faith is the confidence. Oh, I like that word confidence. Faith is the confidence. Confidence is like Oh, I've got this, I'm so strong, I've, I've, got, I've got the confidence, I can do anything that we hope for will actually happen. There's that thing again. If we want it to happen, we've got to act on it. It continues on. It gives us insur- assurance about the things we cannot see. The things that we cannot see. Folks, that's a miracle right there. When you don't see it coming, you don't know it's coming, but you know God's moving, and you know God's working, God's done miracle things, miraculous things in your life. Every one of you, He's done a miracle in. Again, back to the scripture. You you may not know when it, you may not remember when it was going to happen or how it was going to happen, but you know that God was going to deliver. Because you witnessed it. You saw it happen in your life. So now you have your trust. You have your faith in Him. In our text today, we saw three people who experienced a miracle. Mary had this expected faith. The servants had this obedient faith. And the bridegroom had the receiving faith. John finishes this passage by stating that the performance of this miracle not only revealed His glory but also led to further increase in his disciples' faith. I like that word, increase. It increased their faith in him because they saw it. Do you remember your first miracle? As I was preparing this week, I asked God, where's my miracle? Where's, Where's my miracle? And he reminded me, he said, it's right in front of you. I don't, I don't share this as, uh, as much as I used to. Um, it happened three or four years ago. Um, I mentioned the very beginning, we have a 14-year-old and a 4-year-old. Well, Jefferson's our 4-year-old. And um, we knew before he was born that he had developed this, this club foot. You know the foot was turned all the way in. You know we we saw it we saw it in the womb and um and you know they they told us they said when he when he comes out you know we're gonna have to do surgery we don't know if he'll ever you know they call, always go to the extremes we don't ever ever know if he's gonna do this 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 and I was like wow he just so three, three days after he was born, three days, something good, three days. <laughs> we didn't know the severity of it, but three days after he was born, the doctors requested that he had surgery immediately. It's like, three days, can, can you give him? It's like, no. We, you know, They were very specific on what they were going to do. So what they did is they took the foot that was turned in, and they they took the they took the back of it, and they cut they cut his Achilles heel. I mean they they, they cut it right there. And they said it, it would you know it, it would grow back, you know, and he would his foot would be able to grow and you know. It's all medical stuff, <laughs> but I say so this is what you got to do though. And you can sew the next picture. For three years, he had to wear the you know, the the braces. You know, every night I had to. I didn't do it. Heather did it. (laughs) We had to put these, we had to put the shoes on him, put these braces on him. And it bothered me to see my child like that. But in in the moment, I knew, I knew where God was going. I knew what he was going to do. And I I knew he was going to perform a miracle and everything. But can I tell you, in the moment, when you're in the moment of something, it really hurts. You know the miracle's coming. You know the specific thing is happening, but in the moment it hurts. And so for three years he wore um, he wore the he wore the braces and he, he wore the shoes. You can go to the next picture. This is this is him on the left. This was the this was right after he was born, right before the surgery. You can tell how his foot's turned in. And on the right, just after five months, you can see his leg is just just straight. And I was preparing, when I was preparing for the miracle, I was like, God, where's my miracle? And he said, you stop telling people about the miracle. I was like, oh. You know, everybody likes a happy ending today. He's doing well. You'll probably see him running around all over the place and. You know, he wore the shoes and he wore the, boot, he wore the shoe, everything three years out of it. The doctors found out, you know, everything grew back, everything's fine, shouldn't have any problems, everything, and everything's great. The end, happy ending. And it's like I moved on. But God reminded me this week, celebrate your miracle. Tell somebody a miracle. Why are you telling me this today, Pastor? Why? What has this got to do with water and wine? Because it's my miracle and I came here to remind you this morning tell somebody about your miracle give praise, give glory give honor to your miracle thank him for your miracle because so many times that miracle, we get through that phase we get to that moment and we, we kind of stop telling people we, we kind of stop thanking him it's like I'm good God thank you but I'm good, I've moved on this morning a few minutes Philip's gonna sing but this is how I want to close this out I want you to praise and I want you to worship this morning like God's actually brought you out of something he's brought you out of a miracle I want you to worship this morning like you remember your first miracle I want you to worship like that I want you to remember I want you to worship like you just came out of that miracle and you're on cloud nine and God has delivered you and not like me where several years later, I've moved on by passing a miracle. Because this is his first miracle. And he wants to remind you of your first miracle this morning. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling with something. Maybe you need a miracle. Whatever it is, I want to open these altars this morning. I just want to worship. I just want to praise him. And I just want to thank you for the miracles that he's done in my life and your life. Can we stand this morning? Uh, this morning if if nothing else this morning I got to stand up to this morning and just tell you thank you, thank you for the miracle that you 've placed in my life, Lord, thank you for helping me remember the first time the miracle the miracle brought upon in my life that you've brought forth Lord, Lord, so many times we get past this moment we get past this situation and we just, need to remi- we just need to remind that you've, the, the, works, the wonderful works that you've done this morning. Lord, thank you for the reminder, Lord. Lord, in these next few minutes, when we worship, let's just open our hearts and our eyes and our worship to you, Lord, that you've done great things. You've done miracles in our life, Lord. Thank you for the reminder of that this morning. Thank you for that this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You could sing a billion songs